0: We are in the middle of a conversation called Moving to the New. If you weren't here last week, I'll go ahead and let you know this. I don't view this as three independent sermons. I view them as one long sermon. It's only a three-week conversation, but we have to move into the new. But to kick off today, I'm going to try to get us all on the same page by telling you this, that... Yesterday, I had the opportunity to go to SIUE to watch a basketball game of a young lady that just I've been able to get to know, excited about her and her future. And I go up to the gate, and I took my little daughter, Mariah, and my oldest boy, Judah, and, and I had to give them a credit card to get in. And the lady goes, how old are the kids with you? And, and I told them, and she goes, oh, good, the youngest, you'll save $5. <clears throat> and I was thinking, save $5? How much are the other tickets <laughs> if I'm just saving $5? See, I- I'm used to going to high school games or middle school games at a local school and they go how much do you have on you and you're like 427 they're like we'll take it like you just you just drop off change and keep walking and if you don't make eye contact you can just walk in like no one cares enough cuz they're all volunteers that they're not going to step up and be like well, you got to stop now give us 4 dollars and we're booting you out of here like this is more of a generous thing of here's a couple bucks and I go in and I didn't know that I needed a debit card and a balance sheet to get in this place but after i walked in i realized well of course this costs more because this is actually a greater production this is a greater environment this this should cost more because there's more to see here and so and by the way you know this to be true if you have kids if you go to the local uh what are they splash pads that are free right first of all no one's clean in that place You, your kids are splashing around in other kids' sewer. You should know that. I know it and I'm aware of it. You just hope they don't drink too much. Or there's enough chlorine in there to flush everything out. And so there's no no cost to that. But then you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a great dad and I'm going to take my kids to Six Flags. And you take them to Six Flags, you know, and I don't want to make comments about the place, But it's not the most expensive park that you'll ever go to in this world. But there is a higher cost than a free splash pad because of the rides you get. And then you say, I'm going to be a great dad and I'm going to take him to Disney. And you take out a second mortgage on your house (laughs) just to afford the food, let alone the overhead cost that day. As a dad of six, I think it's up to $42,000 for me to go to one day at Disney now. But when you walk into that environment, it's a lot different than the free splash pad. The sound, the sights, the textures, everything is different. So if I were to say to you, in order to get more, it costs you more, that makes a lot of sense, right? What if I tell you when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, to get more, it should cost you more. And you're like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, see, we read things like miracles that have occurred and dead bodies being raised back to life. And we wonder why that isn't happening to us. And for most of us, and I'll put myself in this category, here's what we do. We work hard just to get out of bed on a Sunday morning to come once every couple weeks to church. And you wonder why you don't get everything you can. By the way, the reason I say every couple weeks at church, according to new studies out now, a regular church attender is now considered someone who attends once out of every three weeks. Now, growing up, a regular church attender was Sunday morning, Wednesday, and the prayer meeting And if there was ever a pop bless, not pop luck, (laughs) we don't do luck around here, a pop bless, you were there with two crock pots. Like, that was, can I get an amen from anyone who remembers them days, right? And so here's what we have to do. I'm trying to say this to say, we wanted to shift to the new. And in shifting it to the new, if you actually want more, it should cost you more. It's an effort. It's you stepping out and going to the biggest places. And so in stepping in the new, I'm going to jump here. Joshua chapter 5. Pastor Aaron already covered this earlier, so I'm, I'm going to briefly mention it. Last week, we decided we need to come up with a plan. And the plan was that we want to be strong and courageous. Joshua chapter 1, be strong and courageous. And moving to your new day and having a radical devotion to God, you need to be, be strong and courageous. Don't let the enemy try to push in on you and win an old mindset that he has. It's time to be strong and courageous. But the thing you need to understand is the moment you decide to be strong and courageous, that thing that you've been fighting against will respond. So let me tell you what the spawn to, response is to the enemy that you have coming against you when you show up with the biggest God on the block. Okay, and it says this, Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. Now, when the Amorite kings west of the Jordan in the Can- uh, and the canadians that's the only word that I just saw, and let's be honest, we could take them. So um, <laughs> we'll probably clip that out later because I don't hate my Canadian friends at all just their hockey teams. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. So the uh, Canaanite kings along the coast heard How the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites. So if you don't know what's happening here, in Joshua chapter 1, God said to the Israelites, it's time to go into your promised land. There was a small river between them and the promised land. They're in the desert. There's a Jordan. And so all of a sudden, the Israelites come up to the Jordan. And rather than it just opening up, they had to, everyone hear this, ready? They had to take a step of faith into the Jordan. And the moment they got into the water, God went, okay, I'll separate it for us now. Because I don't know about you, there's many times in my life that I want God to fix it before I step into it. And God goes, hey, I want you to step into it, and then I'll show you that I'll show up. And so the Israelites step into the Jordan and and you may go, you mean he opened up this river and made it a dry bed? If you don't believe this miracle, we have other ones that, (laughs) like, this one's believable. So, okay, dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over. And this is a sentence I want you to see. Their hearts melted. Whose hearts? These kings. These kings' hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. So the thought I want to say to you right there is the stronger you are in your resolve to move to the new day, the weaker the enemy is going to be against you. The stronger you are in the resolve to move to the new day, the weaker the enemy is going to be against you. But it doesn't mean that they're not going to push against you. So something interesting happened this past week. The sermons that I'm preaching to you, God has been doing to me. <laughs> so, we finished up the month of January with prayer and fasting. And at the end of it, which I made very public, and, and I think many of you told me what you were fasting, my wife and I decided to do a three day water only fast. And by the way, so did all my kids. None of them made it, but they gave a, I mean, when you have a six-year-old say, I'm going to fast food and water and make it to lunch, like that was a win in my book, you know? And at some point, you're so crabby, I'm going to force feed you because hangry is a thing. So <clears throat> during this fast, I believe that God actually set me free from something. And I love you, but just so you know, I'm not going to tell you. This was a journey that God took me on. But I actually, if I could even go this far, I I felt like I was delivered from this thing. I found freedom from this thing. Last week, I get up here and I start preaching a sermon to you. Be bold and courageous. Be bold and courageous. Be bold and courageous, right? And I go home that night and I I, I go to sleep. I go to sleep only to hear my little daughter run through the hallway in the middle of the night. She was, you know, whatever, whatever. And I go, honey, come lay down in my bed. So Mariah came laid in my bed, and her in my bed means I get the couch. I was not in trouble with Cammie. Let's go ahead and clear that. All the other times I am. Not this time, though. So, so I go down. I, 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 I lay down on the couch. I get comfortable. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, someone rings my doorbell. And I woke up. Men... If someone rings your doorbell at two o'clock in the morning, one of two things. They're in desperate need of help, or they're gonna be in desperate need of help. Right? And so me and Colt went to the front door to check it out. I'll pause there and let you, Second Amendment, runs out of here. So now I actually woke up to realize it was such it was actually just a drink. But it was so real, I was pumping, I was running. It took me a minute, and I fell back asleep, and after I fell back asleep, I immediately fell back into the exact same dream, had the exact same f- uh, feelings, and heard the exact same doorbell, but this time in my dream, I went to the front door, and I go to the front door, and I open the door, and I am going to be vague on this, because this is my story, but this guy started pushing into my front door and said, let me in, I need to give you this, and I need you to try this, and I need you to touch the." And all these things that I believe that God had helped set me free from, in my dream, there was someone pushing in on me. And in my dream, I'm pushing the door back. And I said, there is no place for you here. And I closed the door and I woke up. In the middle of the night, I woke up. And I actually thought to myself, who cares if I do it one more time? Or if I could say it this way, who cares if I just let this back into my house one more time? And out loud in the middle of the night, I said to myself, be strong and courageous. I started preaching to myself. And here's the amazing thing. The dream didn't happen again. The temptation didn't happen again. That pushing on the front door didn't happen again. You know why? Because the God forming, imagine right now, if you. There, by the way, we're not making it through the sermon. This, this is my opening, by the way. This is just the opening. But imagine right now, if you walked into the toughest bar in the nation, And your best friend with you was young Mike Tyson. Right? I'm sure there's a newer boxer, but just so you know, I don't know him. But tell me you're afraid of anybody in that bar. You got Mike Tyson with you. Like, he's like, this is who you have. Now imagine walking into the enemy's ground. Imagine coming across the Jordan. Imagine walking into what God's calling you to. The fact is, you got the toughest God on the block with you. And it's time for us to un- understand what the enemies see when we determine in our heart we're going to move forward with God, with radical devotion of what he called us to. But all too often, here's the thing, life brings enough pain, but so often the pain that we experience in life are the ones that we inflict upon ourself. I, by the way, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something here. It may offend some of you, but it is the truth. Uh, it's not Satan doing it to you here's the next one for you. If that pill was easy to swallow, here's a horse size one. Satan doesn't know your name. You're not important enough. I'm not important enough. Like there's a there is a real enemy out there against us. But so often we say things like this, Satan is coming against me. No, he's not. It was probably your foolishness that inflicted pain upon yourself that now it's just the fruit of what you've done coming back to bite you. So how about we stop inflicting self-pain because ready for this? I wrote this down to make sure I said this to you correct. We most of the time, we learn from mistakes in the area that matter the least. And we repeat the mistakes in our life that matter the most. We repeat the mistakes in the areas of our life that matter, excuse me. We learn from the areas of mistakes in our life that matter the least. Here, I'm going to prove this to you. Ready? How many ever had sushi one time and hated it and said to yourself, I'm never having it again? You're too proud of this. Sushi is the greatest meal ever. But I'll let you, I'll let you understand it. Right? You ate one meal, you put it in your mouth, and it was like, that's the most disgusting thing ever. I bet you 20 years later, you didn't accidentally put that food back in your mouth. You learned from something that matters the least, But yet this month when your credit card statement comes in and you feel anxiety because you don't know how much you spent, you don't know how much interest you just uh, uh, built up against yourself, the things that matter the most, you still haven't learned from it. Yet we want to blame the enemy for doing everything and blame God for not coming through for us. And at some point, I need to learn from my mistakes and last week, we kept t- asking this question. If you didn't listen, you got to go back and listen last week, because the thing we kept talking about was, what were they thinking? Remember, we went through a bunch of different phases, and we even skipped number seven, which no, everyone's been asking me, and I'm still not going to tell you what it was. And so, like, we, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? What were they thinking? But at some point today, we have to do this. It's not what they are thinking. It's what I am thinking. I am the issue here. And so, what does it take to start looking at yourself in order to grow in Christ in radical devotion? And so let's jump into the word and see if it doesn't have something for us. Joshua chapter 5, verses 2 through 8. If you're watching us online, we're so grateful. If you're listening to us afterwards and you want any of these sermon notes, make sure to download our app, follow us online, blah, blah, blah. So here we go. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2 through 8. It said. At that time, so the children of Israel have heard from God, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. They've now crossed over the Jordan. After crossing on the Jordan, ready for this? You've got to at least get the picture. They're now positioned in a place they can't go backwards. Okay? Joshua says, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So I don't have to expand the thinking on this. You got it just by the sound of O that came from everyone. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Geibeth Heroth. And so now the children of Israel just crossed the Jordan. Upon crossing the Jordan, they come to the other side. God's been telling them there's a bunch of nations that you're going to go up against. But before you go up to them, there's something that I need you to do. And that's take all the men of Israel and circumcise them and by the way this is the passage most pastors avoid preaching about on a Sunday morning and I'm not here I don't want to make jokes I don't want to make light of it I need you to have an understanding of it way that in the New Testament it isn't a law for Christian men to be circumcised anymore but at that time there was a physical or natural circumcision that occurred to our body because our hearts were made of stone. Hence, why God wrote the Ten Commandments on stone. But in the New Testament, we circumcise our flesh heart, because God wants it written in our hearts, not on stone. So this is a physical picture to say this, God, I will devote my life to you by cutting off an old thing for a new thing. So the first thing the children of Israel had to do in crossing over the Jordan was God said, ready for this, in order to move from to the new, you need to cut off some things that are the old. If I were to say to you, for the best life for you to possibly have now, how many have stuff in your life you know you should get rid of? We would all raise our hand to this. But I find it so interesting that this circumcision that occurs, because it could have happened so many ways. God could have said, in order to get this picture, put a tattoo God could have said, pierce your ear. Like there's so many things. But the act that God had mankind do wasn't on just some part of his body. God had us do it to the reproductive organ of our body. Because there's some things in our life that we keep reproducing that is only causing death. And God is saying, now that I have brought you out of this desert, this desert thinking that you've been living in, I need you to cut it off because it may be for your generation that you need to understand it can't be for the next generation. It can't be something that we pass down because how many of us would actually admit to the phrase of, I learn the most from the things that matter the least? But I continue to repeat the things that matter the most. And this is what I want to say. It's time to cut it off. It's time to circumcise your thinking on that. It's time to that flesh nature that we continue to roll over into the new day. It's time to cut it off for this spirit to take over. And so in this place of radical devotion. Now now this is why he did so. Because all of those who came out of Egypt, verse 4. All the men of military age died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. And all the people that came out had been circumcised. So this had actually occurred once. Children of Israel came out and God said, listen, if you're going to be a nation unto me, this is a way to mark yourself that you'll be. So all these people got circumcised. But then they came up to the promised land. And as we covered last week, they rejected what Moses had to say. And God said, listen, time's on my side. And if you want to have Egypt thinking, if you want to have slave thinking, hear hear what I'm saying here. If you want to have a dictator-like thinking in your mind, if you want to be a slave in your thinking, God does not want that for you. So God will let you wander in the wilderness for 40 years to die off. Because what he wants is a people that trust him. Why are they trusting him? For 40 years, their sandals did not wear out. For 40 years, there was a pillar of fire at night to keep them warm and a pillar of cloud during the day to keep them from being burnt up. Every single morning, six days a week, there would be manna sitting for them outside that they would just be able to go get food. And you're like, well, what about the seventh? God was really serious about the Sabbath. So you had to get twice as much on Saturday. And if any other time you got twice as much, you'd wake up the next morning and it's full of worms. But for 40 years, God took care of them to allow this type of thinking to die off. But when he moves you into the new day, you need to be aware that there's going to be some things that need to die off on you. But all the people born in the wilderness during that journey, after that original nationwide circumcision, they had not been circumcised. Verse 6, the Israelites had moved about in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were the military age were left, they, uh, when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he promised them, solemnly promised their ancestors to give, the one flowing with milk and honey, the one that they're standing in now. So he raised up their sons. This, this one's so interesting to me, verse 7. So he raised up their sons in their place, in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not had been circumcised along the way. So let's just do some math. For 40 years they were in the wilderness, and the fighting at men, the men of age who were circumcised, they had died off. But now the men who were allowed to come in, who are now the fighting men, it's time for them, if I can say it this way. To make a decision if they were gonna be radically devoted to God. And by the way, right here you go, well, they're in the promised land now, flowing with milk and honey. Of course they're gonna become radically devoted to God. I said, let's do some math. So imagine going up to a 38 year old, two years into the wilderness wandering. Say, hi, I know you're 38, we have no anesthesia. We have no Tylenol. Heck, we don't have a frozen bag of peas for you. I'm, I'm trying to paint this picture for you. But I have a sharp rock. And I need you and your manhood to become as most vulnerable as you can be to prove that you're radically devoted to God. I love Jesus But I would ask questions. Can we just be really honest here? But this is what God is having to understand. It doesn't matter what age you are. And by the way, if our teens were in here with us, if our nav kids were in here, this is what I'd want to hear. At some point, the individual has to make a decision for themselves. Are they radically devoted to God? Because it should cost you something. And in costing you something, this is maybe the most beautiful verse. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp. And then what is that last word there? Till they were. See, we look at it and we say, God, how can you possibly do this to someone's flesh? God wants to take us through different processes not in order for us to prove that we're devoted because we flog ourselves enough, we give enough money, we do all these penance type things. No, he wants us to do these things so that we, he can cut off the old things so that we can be healed today. If your mind of who God is, is a vengeful, old, grumpy, white-robed, long-beard, cane-having God waiting to inflict pain on you because you disobeyed, I think you're misunderstanding who God is. God is a God who wants to put you in a place so that you can be healed. You can be healed from the things of the past. You can be healed of the lies that you believed. You can be healed from the wounds that someone else caused you. He wants you to be healed, and He doesn't want you to continue to reproduce that in your life. But you know what I tell myself, this, maybe this, isn't you, this is just me, what I tell myself is that if I experience enough things, I won't do that again. Or let's say it this way, I think there's an experience myth that we all have. And it kind of goes like this, experience makes me wiser. No, it really doesn't. Now, evaluated experiences can, but I've already learned with my kids, experiences make me older make me grayer make me balder that's what i've learned what experience brings i also have the i should have known better myth you know what happens when you're in the middle of the craziest circumstances of life knowledge and common sense goes out the door we emotionally react and respond And most of the times, our reaction and response is the soul issue that we have versus the prayer life that we talk about. And I should have known better. It's easy to say that. Or what about this? Time is against me. The Israelites, time is against me. Time is against me. We're in the desert. We're in the desert. If it's this good a deal, I have to take it now. No. We deal with an eternal God. And here's the thing. God's will for our life is for us to be sanctified. And if it takes your whole life, he'll literally wait for you to die to be sanctified. Time is on our side. But we keep saying things, man, if I had enough experience, if I had enough knowledge, if I had enough time, man, I would be con- I'd be committed, I'd be sincere about being changed. And let me ask you this. Some of you have been really sincere about your commitment January 1st that you made to a new diet. How's that going for you? Some of you were sincerely committed not to get into another one of those type of relationships. Have you blocked his, her number yet? Sincerity and commitment can't be the keys to change. Change. Because all of us will be sincerely committed as long as our willpower is engaged. But it can't be a willpower that changes us. It has to be a his power. His power understanding that he moves us to the new day. And so radical radical devotion says that I will trust God by cutting away the old so that he can put me in a place in order for me to be healed and to change me into the new day that he's calling me to. Joshua 5.9 says this then. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt for you. Or let's just add to that. I have rolled away the slave mentality. I have rolled away the captivity mentality. I have rolled away that there's other gods that can provide for you mentality. I've rolled away dead mentality. And I've given you something new. And I have put you. uh, And so I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. It's a, it, this place of Gilgal, uh, there's a couple different uh, definitions and terms. One is a place of stone in remembrance. And the stone in remembrance, when the children of Israel first came across the Jordan, here's what they did. They grabbed a bunch of rocks, and they piled up a real high rock. And, and what was it for? It was, just, it was literally, ready for this? Just to be a pile of rocks. That's it. But 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, a dad and a son will be walking by and they'll see a big pile of rocks. And all of a sudden, of that pile of rocks, you'll go, hey, son, I remember something about my God. I remember a night that I had a dream that something was pushing into my house trying to get to me. And I look at it and I can remember that place. And that place of remembrance that in the moment was painful. That there was a cutting off. That there was a healing process that needed to occur. You can remember that. But you know what that place turns into? It's a place of healing and worship. We go back to these places with God because there's going to be time. Next week we're going to talk about someone who didn't make a place of remembrance and tried to bring the old with them. And you will see you end in defeat. But for everyone else, they looked back and went, wait, God, you promised us this. You remember when you told us. You remember when I was free. You remember when I was delivered. You remember when I was set. Like, don't you remember this? And God goes, yes, come back to this place of healing. Because in this place of healing is a place of constant deliverance that you can always go back to. So in this Gilgal, these places. So this part, here's the thing. There's no truth smooth transition, I started brainstorming, what keeps us from change? What keeps us from wanting just to move into the new things of God? Or, can I just say it this way, what keeps you from just becoming a better person? Because right now, all of us have a place in our life where we just kind of stink a little bit. We're not pleasant to be around. You know, we're unjust, we're unfair, our words are unkind. So I, I, just, I wrote down these. By the way, I'm sure there's more out there. I would say the cost of change, number one, is uncertainty. We know the life we have now because we've lived it and circled it for 40 years. And I, I feel comfortable, I feel secure because of my certainty in what I have. And and by the way, I know that, you know, Twine was just up here. I know that when Twine comes to me and I lash out at him, that's probably not the best way to do it. But, you know, I'm actually certain on how I will feel if I act this way, and I'm also certain how he'll respond. And you know what? I'd rather live in that certainty than the uncertainty of dropping my walls and allowing him to speak into my life. Right? Right? FYI, by the way, I don't think I've ever yelled at you. So it's not that, not that it can't happen. <laughs> but uh, we become f- comfortable with the familiar. And the f- sad thing is we're more comfortable with our desert living than the unknown of the promised land gift. And we'll literally continue to circle because we're just we're uncertain. The cost of change. Rejection. I don't think anyone ever wants to be rejected. I don't think anyone ever wants to, heal to hear the words, you're not loved, I don't care, you know, get away from me. But keep in mind, every relationship you currently have, you currently have because of who you are. And the moment you start changing who you are, you run the risk that the people that are connected to you won't like the, who, the new you you're trying to become. Right? And so, by the way, try this out for me. So, right now, if there's anybody in here, every Friday night, you go to the same bar, you go to the same get up, you, get, you do the same thing every Friday night. Do me a favor. For the next three Friday nights, text that group of friends and just say, hey, I don't want to be out with you tonight. I, instead, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a Bible study at my house. And let's see how many of them just go, that's a great idea. Because this game of pool and that tap of beer... Getting really old. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to accept the whole new you. Right? The language that you're used to using all the time. The next time you're around your friends and you just say, listen, I'm choosing not to talk like that anymore. Or or they're maybe gossiping and you do I'm going to choose not to run this person down anymore. Instead, I'm going to choose to talk positive about them all the time. There's a chance they're going to start rejecting the new you because they don't know the new you. They've gotten used to the old you. And the old you is the one that they've accepted. And the moment they try to embrace the new you, they're going to realize that they're screwed up too. And so, you know, rather than rocking the boat, I'd rather just keep ops normal because I don't want no one none of us want to feel rejected here's another one it's just a struggle I like me because of me and what me does I'm comfortable with everything about me right now because if I wasn't comfortable I'd change it so what happens when I on purpose just try to change something for the sake of being better it moves us outside of a comfort zone so let's be honest There is a cost of change and many of us want to continue to stay right where we're at. Or if I can say this, we want to walk the road we've always walked, lived in the place that we've always lived, wear the shoes that we've always lived, eat the food that was always provided to us. But there is one problem when you say yes to Jesus. God is the Consistent God that never changes, but is all about change. And he's going to bring you into the Jordan. If I can say this, baptize you new, to then cut off the old flesh to stay in the past. And then he has the greatest gift for you. Ready for this? Joshua chapter 5, verse 12. They walk in. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year, they had to eat from the product, from the produce, from the land of Canaan. Once we shift to the new day, the thing that used to satisfy will no longer satisfy. The places that we used to get fed from, they're going to start drying up. And at some point... If you trust Jesus, if you go on a journey of a radically devoted life and say, God, I will follow you wherever I lead, don't be surprised when the things of the old day no longer are present in the new day. Because those things of the old day kept us comfortable of where we were. But what God is wanting is for those old things to be the catapult that throws us into our new future. And instead of Warring with that guy at your front door trying to get in your house, warring with those mindsets that you can do it one more time, or this will appease you, or this will make you happy, or this is God wants to throw away all that slave mentality in order to move us into promised land living. So, step number one of moving into the new day be strong and courageous. You're like, well, that's a great phrase. Okay. Here's phrase number two, it's time to circumcise it. Like be strong and courageous all of a sudden makes a lot of sense. So let's word it this way, just because I don't want anyone to go out, post something online, hashtag circumcise it. Like, let's go ahead and avoid that. Ready? Step number one, be bold and courageous. Step number two, it's time to make a sacrifice. So where is the place in your life to ante up, to step up, to walk into that you have to sacrifice in order to get the greater thing that God has for you? God, this is a conversation that is easy to make a bold statement, loud and proud like that. But now, Jesus, we need you to individually speak to us. What are the desert, Egyptian, death? thinking that we're carrying on to actually here's what I'm going to do I'm going to ask everyone if you're online if you're here now if I could just ask everyone to close their eyes and if you're a guest with us and that doesn't make you comfortable don't do it this isn't you know like you have to do this or God hates you just I want to try I I want to ask God to do something so if you're online if you could close your eyes for everyone in here Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to speak right now. With the hundred of ears, hundreds of ears that are listening, I can't give enough examples, but Holy Spirit, I'm going to pause in the next 10 seconds after I ask this question, and I ask for you to speak to the hearts of everyone here. Holy Spirit, what is the thing that you want them to cut off this day? Holy Spirit as we just pause here for a second long show them, show us, show me how that thinking is continuing to keep us slaves to a desert mindset now Holy Spirit I ask for every person in here to become bold and courageous Bold and courageous to cut that thing off. Bold and courageous to speak true to it. Bold and courageous to say that they don't want it a part of their life anymore. Bold and courageous to allow what they think brings them life to be the catapult that throws them into true life. Holy Spirit, I ask for your grace and your mercy to come to allow us to have the bold and the courageous spirit inside of us, the same spirit that set Christ back to life. God, I thank you for the freedom that we're experiencing right now. I, God, I believe, I believe inside of my heart, Holy Spirit, that you are active in this place right now, and you're doing more ministry in the last two minutes than my last 20 minutes have done. Because without the alivening of your spirit inside of us, God, these are just words on a piece of paper, but come alive inside of us today. And if you have your eyes closed, allow me two more minutes just to say this. The greatest freedom that you'll ever experience is your freedom from sin and death. And I can preach all day long, I can give you self-help books, but the the greatest thing that we can offer here at Navigation Church is the freedom found in Jesus Christ. We believe that God is three people. God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. And the Son stepped out of heaven, clothed Himself in flesh, walked with us, talked with us. And by the way, you know this, it's it's the famous Jesus Christ. But what you may not know is that He freely gave of His life to die on a cross so that you could be set free from your sin and death the greatest way to catapult you into a new day is by you understanding that you need a Savior. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you into that relationship with every eye closed, head bowed. This is for our online community too. If you're here today and you're ready to say yes to Jesus Christ, could I just invite you to raise your hand so that I can see that you've made that decision today. And as people are making the decision here, for those in our online campus, If you're making that decision, a tab's going to pop up, uh, maybe a box for you to click yes, or even a comment in the section of make sure to like this. Wherever that might be, make sure to connect there so that we can follow up with you. But if you're online or if you're here in person, could I ask everyone to say this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, today is the day that I am done being a slave to sin. I am done with a desert mentality. And I can follow you because you've created a path. So forgive me of my sins. Become Lord of my life. And this day forward, I follow you. God, I thank you for every hand raised. I thank you for every mouth that declared it. Uh, From the confession of our mouth to the belief in our heart, this is how we're saved. So God, I thank you for that today. And I pray that as we finish our time here, Holy Spirit, you're not just done saving people from eternal damnation, but you're saving us from what feels like eternal sin thinking that we have. So now, God, the smallest mistakes that we learn the, the most from, we now flip it. And God, it's time for the biggest, for us to learn the greatest. And that is we are done with the old so we can step into the new. Thank you for your grace today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.